Well, we've enjoyed being here. We've been made a blessing. In any measure, we're grateful. The desire of our heart is to help people. The best way in the world I know how to help people, and through the years I've said this, is just simply put the word of God in them. And the more word you can get into them, it'll bless them from now on. Amen. Now we thank God for the move of the Spirit, but you know we wouldn't even know about that if we didn't have the word. Hallelujah. But you get the word of God into people, it'll not just bless them today and tomorrow and next week, it'll bless them next year and five years from now and ten years from now. Now the thing is, we need both of them, not one at the expense of the other. You see, that's the point. And so if you're really going to be able to last, you have to get on the word. You know, I was just thinking, I, uh, when was it I told you this morning, you know, or about those two ladies over in Illinois, you know, wanted to get to me, you know, said the Lord revealed to them that I had a demon in me of wearing flashy clothes. <laughs> wanted to cast it out of me. I think it got on Brother Osborne. <laughs> I, I really didn't want to get rid of that, though. I wanted to keep it. <laughs> well, praise God. You know, there ain't no such demon as that. That's just being intelligent. Why not dress up and look your best for Jesus? Amen. Can you say Amen. I remember I was preaching one time years ago, you know, and, 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 and I didn't necessarily always go that direction, but just, you know, you don't want to create division, you know, and I was preaching with some folks that was pretty conservative about a lot of things, and so I dressed conservative, you know, and they, they, they thought it was wrong even to wear a loud tie. But I had a birthday during this meeting, and another pastor from another city and another church came over to visit. He and his wife brought me this birthday gift, and it had some red in it, more than this. This got red in it, but more than this. A little more than this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. A little brighter, but not, not all red, you see. So I was out in the church praying, you know, sort of tuning up, you know, for the service early before anybody had come. And a man came early. And so I passed a few words with him, went on back to the prayer room. Then I was walking up and down the sanctuary, you know, aisles of the sanctuary praying. And I happened to be back in the back of the sanctuary or the front of the church when he came in, you know. And as he talked to him, I noticed he kept eyeing that tire. <laughs> and finally he said, that's a little worldly, isn't it? I said, why? What's well, looked all that red in it? Well, I said, you know, God must like red, all right. Look at all the beautiful red roses he made. I didn't make them, did you? And I know the devil didn't. Look at all the beautiful red roses. And I said, besides that, he put red in the rainbow. He, he put that rainbow up there, didn't he? That fellow said, you know how to thought that. I said, I believe I'll go buy me a red tie. <laughs> well, praise God. He got free. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad Brother Osborne got free. Praise the Lord. <laughs> look, like, look like Brother Summerall did too. 
No sister Summerall did with that red suit on. I mean, she <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, you ready? Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read uh, some scripture. I don't know. I know where I'm going to start. I don't know where I'm going to end. Now, I am a Bible teacher, but I don't know. I haven't been too much teaching. I don't know what I've been doing here. Meddling part of the time, I know, but I, I just, uh, just simply, uh, well, just led to the Lord, just started out and don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Sometimes that's all right. Now, I want to begin. I know I've got a lot, of, a lot in me, and I, I know I'm not going to get it out in one night, but I'm going as fast as I can, get as much of it out as I can. See, when you've got something in you, something on your heart, the only way to get it out is just preach it out. And I know I... Uh, Believe it or not, you might not believe it, but I, I studied homiletics. And I even took a special course on homiletics in the Union Bible Seminary in New York City years ago. And uh, among the Baptists I studied, but you wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I just quit arranging the things homiletically. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, just as long as I get it out, that's the main thing. <laughs> I want you to open your Bibles to, to begin with to two openings, the fourth chapter of Luke and the second chapter of John's Gospel. The fourth chapter of Luke's Gospel. Let's begin to read with the 14th verse. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region around about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. 
And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. I want you to notice particularly that 18th verse, just the first part of it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Then I want you to turn to John's gospel, the second chapter. Paul, or John here, inspired by the Spirit of God. I like to say it this way, the Holy Ghost said through the Apostle John. Hallelujah. In the 20th verse of the second chapter, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now in the 27th verse, but the anointing which you received of him. Now he calls that anointing an unction, or the unction an anointing. Anointing you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things and is truth and is no lie, even as it is taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, God put teachers in the church. That doesn't mean now that you just got the Holy Ghost and you don't need to be taught. Are you listening to me? Because if that was the case, then God and Jesus missed it by putting teachers in the church to teach people. But you see, the thing about it is that the Holy Ghost will teach you and the Holy Ghost will also bear witness with your spirit when you hear the word taught that this is right and that you can walk in the light of it. Now, notice here in these two verses in First Epistle of John, first he said the unction's in you and then he said the anointing. I think you'll find that the Greek word is the same in both verses. And so the anointing abideth in you. Every believer has an anointing abiding within them. Now, there is an anointing that abides within you in the new birth. You see, the Holy Ghost comes in you. We're not talking about being baptized with the Holy Ghost now or filled with the Holy Ghost as the Bible calls it, but in the new birth. The Lord Jesus Christ tells us that there is a dual working of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer. Jesus said, first of all, that I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comfort, even the spirit of truth, that he may abide with you forever. And then he went on to say that he's with you, but he shall be in you. And then he said later on, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall receive power to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the most part of the earth. Jesus in his teaching in, the, in John's gospel, in the fourth chapter to the woman at the well of Samaria, said that the water that I give you shall be in you. Now, water here is a type of the Holy Ghost. And the water I give you will be in you, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And in the seventh chapter of John's gospel, Jesus said, he that believeth on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, it's quite obvious that this is two different experiences he's talking about. One of them is blesses you entirely. Water in you springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. The other makes you a blessing to others. Rivers are flowing out of you. Hallelujah. And so in one of them, I think you can see the new birth. In the other, you can see the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now then, I can remember when I was born again. Uh, I was born again the, the 22nd day of April, 1933, at 20 minutes till 8 o'clock in the South Bedroom on a Saturday night at 405 North College Street in the city of McKinney, Texas. <laughs> and I've been saved ever since then. Glory. Now, now, the Holy Ghost came in me. 
I realized after, see, I was born and raised Southern Baptist, was a member of the Baptist church, but not saved. I realized I'm, I'm on the bed of sickness, realized I'm not born again, and so I got saved. I got born again. I realized afterwards, many years after this, when I come in contact with Pentecostal people, that if I had known and it had been somebody to tell me, I could have talked in tongues the night I was born again because the same Spirit will give you utterance. I remember then when I was baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, you see, four years later in the same month of April except on the eighth day of April. 22nd day of April, 1933 was on a Saturday. The 8th day of April, 1937 was on a Thursday. Do you know that? Well, you do now. just got through telling you. And I was baptized with the Holy Ghost at 8 minutes past 6 p.m. In the living room of the pastor of the Full Gospel Tabernacle at 309 North Chester Street, the city of McKinney, Texas, and spoke in tongues for an hour and a half and sang three songs in tongues. Now, I could have stopped any time I wanted to, but I didn't want to. I didn't see any reason to. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And went down the street speaking in tongues, not out loud, but to myself. Praise the Lord. And I realized then that that same spirit that gave me utterance in tongues is the same spirit that I'd known all the time. You know, the Holy Ghost is not twins or triplets. Just, just one. And, and he does all the work of God, actually. Well, I remember that my Baptist colleagues, because you see, I began as a Baptist minister, they warned me about going among and around these Pentecostal folks, full gospel people. Because, but you see, the reason I did, I learned that they believe in divine healing and I'd been healed. And it strengthens your faith to be around people that believe in healing. You need that kind of fellowship. God, have mercy on these dear folks that'll come and get healed and go back to some dead church and get up and tell them that's of the devil. And they'll have little enough sense to sit there and even help pay somebody declaring that's of the devil. Put their money into a place like that. I don't, that's beyond my comprehension. That's beyond my comprehension. And so, uh, they warned me, you see, about going, I remember one fella, he was not a minister, but he was a Bible teacher. He had the same training all the Baptist ministers. He graduated from Baylor University and then graduated from the seminary. And he taught the auditorium Bible class in our first Baptist church of McKinney, Texas. And so he was talking to me, you see. And he warned me, as well as others, about going around these full gospel people. He said, you know, that talking with tongues is of the devil. Well, I really didn't know whether it was or whether it wasn't. And really, I, I was going because I got fellowship around healing and it strengthened my faith, you see. Because I'd been standing for four years alone by myself, just as a teenager. And that's the reason I went. And when they got off on the Holy Ghost, I just would say to myself, well, I believe in the Holy Ghost, all right, but I don't know about those tongues. And so I just closed my ears. And I said, well, I'll just put up with a little fanaticism to have a little fellowship around faith and healing. But one preacher down in East Texas said, this is like a slippery creek bank. You keep fooling around, you'll slip in. <laughs> and I did. Well, then, then, you know, after I was baptized with the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues, you know. Now, actually, this fellow said, this Bible teacher, you know, he said, now, I'll admit, those full gospel people live better lives than we do. And I thought to myself, that sounds strange. Somebody would get something from the devil that would help them live a better life. <laughs> All the works of the devil I knew, people lived worse when they got a hold of him. But got something from God that made them better. And here's a fellow that's admitting those people in that church live better lives. In other words, stricter, straighter, 
truer Christian lives than our folks do with something from the devil. That didn't stack up with me. But anyway, when I got filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost, I remember I went looking this fellow up, you know. And, and then I, I, I worked the conversation around because I knew what he's going to do, you know. And so he didn't know. I'd see he warned me again. Now, 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 now Kenneth, he said, you, you, you need to be careful. I'm just not going to tell you not to go. But, but, but you need to be careful because that speaking of tongues is of the devil. I said, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, now that's the spirit that that tongues come from is from the devil. Yeah. Well, I said, if that's so, the whole Southern Baptist movement is of the devil. He said, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Well, I said, uh, I was born again among the Baptists and, and, and received the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus, before these folks ever went to Pentecost, breathed on them one day and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost after his resurrection. And I said, I received the Holy Ghost among the Baptists. I was born again over there. And then I said, I've been baptized the Holy Ghost and spoken in other tongues. And the same spirit that gave me utterance in other tongues is the same spirit that I got acquainted with among the Baptists. Oh, no, no, that can't be right. I said, have you ever spoken with tongues? No. Well, I said, you're, you're a Bible teacher. Gigged him a little bit, you know. I said, seminary graduate, Baylor. Know your Bible right well? I said, remember Proverbs said, a man that answers a matter before he hears it's a fool. Yeah. Now I said, don't be a fool. I said, you're not qualified to speak on the subject. You know what spirit you got acquainted with in the new birth. Yeah. Well, I said, that's the same spirit I got that you got. And the same Holy Ghost gave me utterance in other tongues. Well, he said, I'll have to give that some further study. I'll get back to you. I've been waiting ever since 1937 to him to get back to me. He, he hadn't got back to me yet. Now then, you see, I was born again the 22nd day of April, 1937. And I have an anointing in me. I think I, I got a better advantage on than some folks. I, I learned, folks, I didn't have any teacher from the natural standpoint, but I learned to listen to my spirit. And, and the Holy Ghost is in there. And I got into the word on the bed because see, the doctor said, you're going to die. That's all there is to it. Five of them said, I mean, even the great Mayo Clinic said, you're going to die. You can't live. Not a chance for you to live. I mean, you don't even have one chance in a million. Now, if they've said you've got one chance in a million, that would have been slim pickings. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? <laughs> but they said, you don't even have one chance in a million to live. Something inside me. What was it? That anointing teaches you all things. Said so right here, didn't it? Something inside me. Oh, I don't mean a voice, an inward intuition. An inward something said, you don't have to die. Mm -hmm. Not now, not at this age, not as a teenager. You can live, you can be healed. And I said, can I? Something in here said, that anointing in you teaches you all things. Said, it's all in the book. Get in the book. The Bible. That's where it is. And thank God I got there. Hallelujah. And he taught me. He taught me. I didn't have an earthly teacher. Oh, thank God for all the good books. Thank God for the cassettes. We didn't have cassettes and tapes, you know, no tape recorders in those days. We had books. And, and I learned later they were in, in print, but I didn't know about them. I didn't have any of them. I didn't know about them. But thank God he taught me because I listened to him and led me right into the word of God, right into faith and right into healing. 
Amen. Well, now, when the full gospel folks, when I went there, when they got off on the Holy Ghost, Baptist, the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues and all, I closed my ears. You know, you don't hear when you close your ears. Because, you know, I didn't know whether it's right or wrong. And I was about to enroll in Baptist seminary myself. And so I was walking down the street on this eighth day of April, 1937, and I just said to the Lord, now, Lord, I, I know my church didn't know about the healing, and I found out about that, and they don't like for me to preach it, and, and I sure didn't preach it as strong as I do now. I preach it as strong as I dared. <laughs> Just give a few weak doses, you know, occasionally. And I had no public healing service. I preach it publicly and pray for them privately. You know. And, and I said, now, uh, Who's right about this? Who's right about this baptism in the Holy Ghost business? Now, my church says that if you're born again, you're born of the Spirit, and that's true, all right. But half-truth does more damage than whole truths are, are entirely uh, an untruth, whole thing untrue. You do have the Spirit, but then they said, that's all purity ends right there. Well, it doesn't end right there. Then I sat down one or two other Baptist fellows that I like real well said, well, there is an experience subsequent to salvation called a Baptist in the Holy Ghost. It is an endowment of power from on high. But you don't have to speak with tongues. So I was prone to follow him. <laughs> because that's where I am, see. Who's right about this? Well, I don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I got him in me because I'm born of the Spirit. His Spirit bears witness with my Spirit. He's a child of God. I'm a child of God. And on the inside of me, just as plain, he just spoke up. Because see, he knew the, I knew the Word. Because see, I had read it constantly. Constantly. Way back down, many years ago, before I ever started preaching, I'd read the New Testament 150 times, and portions of it more than then. And he said, what does Acts 2.39 say? Or 2.38? I said, well... Peter, preaching there on the day of Pentecost, said uh, to that crowd, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of sin. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I said, oh, I believe in the Holy Ghost. It's his tongues. <laughs> what does Acts 2.39 say? I said, well, it said, the promise is unto you and to your children of all that are far off, eat as many as the Lord our God shall call. But I believe in the Holy Ghost. It's his tongues business. That inward voice said, what does Acts 2.4 say? He's teaching me, is he? I said, well, Acts 2, 4 said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began. Oh, I said, I see it, 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 I see it. They began to speak. Now, if I get filled with the same Spirit, I'll begin to speak. Glory to God. I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going down to the full gospel preacher's house right now and receive this experience. Well, I went down and knocked on the door. They went at home. I went back after a little bit and they weren't at home. I went back just almost 6 p.m. And, and I started leaving about that time they drove up, see. I said, I came down here to get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and back in those days, remember Pentecostal folks, all they knew was Terry, wait. First thing he said was wait. <laughs> he, he didn't get it down his mouth. I said, it won't take me long to receive. He said, well, come on in then. 
And I just watched into the living room. He and another minister was with him and, and I knelt down by a large chair. Now, if they ever tried to instruct me, I don't know because I just closed my ears. I don't know. I just simply knelt down by that chair and nobody told me to do it, but I just lifted my hands and looked up with my eyes closed right at first. I, I opened them and I started talking in tongues, looking at my watch. It's eight minutes past. See, the Bible said to watch and pray. I said, the Bible said to watch and pray, see. But I had my eyes shut right then. When I started talking in tongues, I opened my eyes and looked at my watch. It's eight minutes past six. See, in eight minutes, I was filled. So I just said, Lord, I came down here to receive the Holy Ghost, or that is be filled with the Holy Ghost. I know I have the Holy Ghost in me in the new birth and that anointing. The same spirit, the same voice that led me into divine healing, and I was healed of, of, of a deformed heart and of almost total paralysis and an incurable blood disease led me right into this. He'll teach you if you'll listen to him. Amen. And then I, I said to the Lord what the scripture said here quoted these, you see, again. And then I said, now, Lord, I received my salvation, my new birth by faith. I received my healing by faith. Now I receive this experience by faith. Now I want to declare by faith that I am now filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God, I have it, amen. And now I expect to speak with tongues. Hallelujah. We didn't say hallelujah in my church, but I said it. And I said hallelujah half a dozen times. And it just felt to me like, I know everybody's going to have the individual experience, but yet you'll have Bible evidence. It felt to me like somebody built a bonfire right in here. Man, it just began to burn. And it just blazed up. And it seemed like I could see these strange words coming up. And it seemed like I'd know what they sound like if they spoke. I just started speaking them out. And I talked in tongues an hour and a half, sang three songs in tongues. Oh, glory to God. But now, it was that anointing that taught me. You see, now every believer has that anointing. You see what it said here? I didn't even say spirit-filled believer. I said every believer. I, I'm like Dr. James Brown, you know, the Presbyterian minister over in Pennsylvania. He and I were talking to God Benjamin's Convention. He said, you know, I was a graduate of seminary, had all my degrees, all my education, and teaching in seminary. I thought the UN's going to solve the world's problems. But some fellow come along having some home meetings. Some of my members went, asked me about it. And I said, well, I think just to protect them, I ought to go to see what's being taught. And so I went to one of these home meetings and he talked about the new birth. And I said, what in the world is he talking about? Seminary graduate, pastor of a church, a professor in seminary. And Dr. Brown said to me, personally, as we talked more than once, he said, I thought, well, dear Lord, I mean, I don't, I don't have what that fellow's talking about. So he gave him a taste. Folks want to get saved. He said, I just marched down there and said, well, I'm a candidate for that. And God's born again. He said, I saw then I'd never been born again. Religious, yes. Born again, no. But he said that same spirit that I got acquainted with, and he said, this fellow was a fundamentalist teacher. But that same spirit that I got acquainted with that night led me right into the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. That same spirit led me right into divine healing. He said, I'll challenge anybody anywhere. If you're, if you're really born again and will follow the spirit that's in you, he'll lead you right into the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. He'll lead you right into divine healing. Amen. Because that anointing will teach you. Are you listening? Now, every believer has that anointing in them. But you see, he wants an anointing on us, bless God. After the body, the kista kadubra vina kalaske, nista hora nangale jena bakalafa boveke. 
after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power, Jesus said, to be witnesses. That endowment of power is available to every believer. And no matter what you have done for the Lord as a believer without it, you'll do much more with it, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. Yeah, I got people saved. I even got people healed, brother. Now why? I read it said these signs will follow them that believe. It didn't say these signs will follow them to baptize the Holy Ghost, though that'll add to it. It'll increase it. But he said these signs will follow them to believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. And I'd tell my Baptist folks that. I'd preach it from the pulpit. I didn't lay hands on it publicly. But then when they're homes and I visit them, I'd read that to them. See, it said right here, we believe, don't we? Don't you believe on Jesus? Yeah, I believe on him. All right, I'm going to lay my hands on you and God's going to heal you. And we just had, he, actually, after I got to Baptist Old Ghost and came among Pentecostal circles I, and talking to Pentecostal full gospel pastors, I found out on a percentage basis, I was getting more people healed than they were beforehand. <laughs> the difference was I was teaching them faith. See what I mean? I was teaching them the word. We was acting on the word. Smith Wigglesworth said, there's something about believing God that'll cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. Amen, I like that, I like that. Something about believing God that'll cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. There is something about believing God. I remember one time, one outstanding case. I remember we was out there in a little old country church, you see. And, and the only lady, Sister Hall, was our pianist, little red-headed woman. And, and so one Sunday she didn't show. Well, I, 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 we had Sunday school and we had the morning worship and, and I meant to ask somebody, but I, somebody another didn't ask. Well, no one was just all because she had never missed. Never had she missed. And then Sunday night she wasn't there. So then Sunday night I asked. We just had to sing without any music because nobody else played the piano. I said, where's Sister Hall? Some of them said, well, Brother Hagin, haven't you heard? I said, heard what? Well, she's in the hospital. She's going to be operated on in the morning. No, I said, I hadn't heard that. So I got up real early. I wanted to get there before they give her a shot. You know, take her in because once they give her a shot, you're not going to be able to get through to her. And so I went in real early. I mean, still, you know, sort of dark. Sun's not up yet. And I said, uh, you know, I didn't know you was here. Why didn't you let somebody know? Well, of course, we weren't taught like Pentecostals. We were Baptists. You know, you didn't call for the elders of the church to pray over the anointing of the name of the Lord, you know. Though I had mentioned the verse at times and had done it in people's home, anointing with oil. So I just read the scripture to her. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. Here's what the Bible said. You didn't call, but is any sick among them called for the elders of the church that they'll pray over the anointing of oil? And I had a little bottle of olive oil. And I said, I'm going to anoint you with oil. And then I said, here it said, these signs are falling that believe they'll lay hands on you. I'm going to lay my hands on you. Now, I was used to people getting well. We, we had healings. But I'll be honest, I didn't expect it to happen as fast as it did. In fact, she started on me right there. I started praying for her, and I didn't have the Baptist Holy Ghost. But she said, wow, I got it, and jumped right out of bed right then. Right then. And never was operated on. She got it. Praise God. Now, if that'll work for Baptist, it'll work for anybody. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory, I mean, she startled me. I, I expected her to be healed, but dear my. She just said, I mean, let out a war hoop. You know, that's, Baptists don't do things like that ordinarily. You know? But I'll tell you, the power of God struck that woman. Amen, hallelujah. And she didn't have that operation. They come in there directly, and she's up out of the floor and jumping and shouting on the floor out of the bed. Said, no, went home, went home. No, I don't need an operation. Amen. Besides that, I think that... Uh, uh, I don't get all the report, but I think the doctors examined 
he couldn't find anything. What it was he was looking for to begin with is gone. Hallelujah. Well, we had healings like that as Baptists, you see. Now, I didn't have any anointing to pray for the sick. I never felt a thing. You know, being Baptist, we didn't know we were supposed to feel anything. You know, and yet God honors his word. And the word of God will work with an anointing or without anointing. But yet, right on the other hand, with the anointing, you're going to be able to teach better, preach better, and do more. Hallelujah. So see, we don't want to take anything away from anybody. We just want to give them some more. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, now I want you to see something else here. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me. You notice that? Now, what did he anointed him to do? Well, it goes on to tell here. But actually, Jesus stood in all of those ministries, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He stood in every one of them. And he's our example in every one of them. First of all, he was an apostle. You know, the Bible said in Hebrews 3, 1, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So you see, because he's the foremost example of a sent one. That's what the Greek word translated apostolus means, a sent one. See. Secondly, he was a prophet. It's, he said right here, we just got through reading it, no prophets without honor save his own home, own town, own country. Third, he was an evangelist. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. That's the message of the evangelist, to preach the gospel. Fourth, he was a pastor. He said, I'm the good shepherd. See, the same Greek word translated shepherd is translated pastor or vice versa, you see. I'm the good shepherd. Peter calls him the chief shepherd. Thank God he is. Hallelujah. And then fifth, of course, he was a teacher. We just got through reading here. He taught in their synagogue. Taught. Again, in fact, those four gospels says more about him teaching than anything else. You go through there and underline the word teacher taught. You'll find out he did more of that than he did anything else. He taught more than he healed. He taught more than he preached even. Teaching was first with him. Matthew 9, 35, where it said he went around about their cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every man of sickness, every man of disease among the people. Now, I was called preach. Well, uh, and I was a preacher at the beginning. I was not a teacher. Now, even before that I was baptized of the Holy Ghost, I would get anointed. The anointing would come on me to preach because I'm called to that office. Now, after being baptized of the Holy Ghost, that anointing increased. But the anointing would come on me to preach. I remember when I said, I'm going to be a preacher. My grandma said, son, you can't preach. Now, this is after I was healing up out of bed and then going to high school. You can't talk. You see, my home had been broken. My dad had left. I was physically incapacitated. I couldn't take up for myself. I mean, in school, even the girls could whip me. If I tried to exert a little bit, you see, well, I'd pass out. And the school nurse would say, well, you just turned as blue and almost as black as a black person all over, you know. I thought never was going to get you revived because my heart didn't beat right, you see. And I couldn't take up for myself. And so I learned just to sit around and shut up and keep my mouth shut. If I open my mouth, I'm not going to get hurt. I didn't talk. Now, the year before I became bedfast, see, I had completed two years of high school when I became bedfast. And the year before I became bedfast now, 
And, and of course, I wasn't saved, you understand. But I, uh, you know, one night at supper table, Grandpa, we lived with my grandparents on my mother's side. Grandpa said, you know, I saw Miss Bessie May Hamilton. Now, she had taught me in grade school. Now, she was my teacher in high school. And so uh, she had gone to, in the summertime and took some extra courses and was teaching over there now. And so he said, I asked Miss Bessie May, well, how's Kenneth? Do-? Oh, she said, Mr. Drake, he's just like he always was. She said, if you uh, waited on him to say anything, he'd never say anything. In fact, said he could miss the class. Nobody would ever know it. Now, that put an idea in my mind. As a 15-year-old boy, you know, I'm going to try that out. I only had two classes, Miss Bessie Mays another in the afternoon. And so about two or three times a week, I'd play hooky and go to the show. You know, they never did miss me. Now, you've got to be quiet, brother. Don't you? They never did miss me. They never counted me absent. They never missed me. Now, of course, after I got saved, I quit that, you know. Next year, I was bed fast year, then I went back to high school, never missed a day. Amen. But, now, now I said that so you know how quiet I was, see. And that's what Grandma said. And I said, I'm going to go preach. I remember the shock my grandma. She said, why, son, you can't talk. <laughs> First time I got up to preach, I preached 45 minutes. See, a lot of the beginners go 10 to 15. I went 45. I've been going on up ever since then. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But anointing would, and I didn't have the baptism, but I had the Holy Ghost in me. But anointing would come on me. Because, see, I'm called to that office. And the anointing, the anointing in the Old Testament came on people to stand in certain offices. The anointing of the Holy Ghost would come on me. And I could tell you some phenomenal things of the anointing coming on me. Now, after being baptized with the Holy Ghost and entering into this greater dimension of the power of God, that anointing increased. You know, anointing to preach or, or, or to work for God can increase. In the Old Testament, you had these two prophets that Jesus mentioned, Elisha and Elijah. And, and Elisha desired a double portion of what Elijah had. Well, he didn't, they're not two Holy Ghosts. There's just one. But see, Elijah was anointed by the Holy Ghost to stand in that office, and Elisha had a double portion of that, an anointing. You see, a greater anointing, in other words, to stand in the same office. And I noticed that the anointing would come on me to preach. We'd get people saved. We'd get people healed. And they never got anybody baptized Holy Ghost. Didn't preach it. Didn't know about it. Wasn't baptized Holy Ghost. But after being baptized Holy Ghost, the anointing increased. Because now everybody will have to follow God for themselves. I, I can't tell you. I think we make a mistake trying to tell the other fellow. But when you preach, you have power you didn't used to have. Now, see, I had been anointed to preach before, but now then, there's a greater anointing. Hallelujah. The anointing's increased to preach. Well, they said, man, when you preach now, it almost knocks us off the seat. Oh, I wasn't a hard preacher, but just meant the power behind it. I remember Mr. Curry of that community, he's Presbyterian. Everybody came to church, only church in the community. 85% of us are Baptists. We called it community church. Now, Mr. Curry, all his children were grown and married. And he was, you know, owned many acres of that black land. Very, very, very. In fact, he was, you know, wealthy for the day. He and his wife had been on a, on a tour just by themselves to Europe, you know. And, and, and he had said because there was a couple moved into that country community, started coming to our church just about the time I got the Holy Ghost, or just before I did, uh, that, that had this experience. And he said, if that talking in tongue gets in here, I'm pulling all my folks out, seven families of them all together. Well, while he is gone, I received 
When he came back, he asked Mr. R.O. Cox, who was a member of the community, a Methodist man, 89 years of age, a spiritual giant, great man of God. What happened to our little preacher while I was gone? Mr. Cox told me, I said, I said, oh, something happened to him? Yes, yeah, it sure has. What, what do you mean? Well, he's a better preacher than what he used to be. Mr. Cox said, I said, well, I always thought he was a good preacher. Yeah, but he said, man, he's more powerful now than he ever was before. He's got a power he never had before. Mr. Cox said, I thought this would be a good time. I had shared with him. I hadn't told it publicly yet because I knew he was going to pull it. I didn't want the church to split or anything. And he said, Mr. Curry, you know what happened to a little preacher while he's gone? No. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. He said he dropped his head. I, I didn't know whether he was going to look up and say, well, I'm pulling my... He said he lifted his head and had tears. Now, he said, well, you know, I heard him preach before. I've heard him preach since. I want it. And we never lost a member, never lost a family. Hallelujah, they saw it. 93% of them followed me in, and the other 7% was still there. They just didn't have enough to get up and go to get it. <laughs> Amen, are you hearing me now? The anointing's there. Now, the anointing, I was a preacher, though. I, I wasn't a teacher. I was a preacher. Man, I mean, before I was baptized with the Holy Ghost, I was a preaching machine. Uh, you know, you don't hear me. If you want to hear me preach, get the tape, El Shaddai. Anybody ever heard that one, El Shaddai? I preach on that one, not teach, preach. I like that. Once in a while I do, yet not often. Once in a while I'll be sitting there and that anointing start coming on you. I like it. I like the way it feels. <laughs> Glory to God. You know in the Old Testament, you know in the Old Testament they talk about, you know, like Elijah now, he went along and threw his mantle on Elisha. That denoted the spirits coming on it. Well, look up the word mantle. It means a cloak. You see, he just sewed that over him. Sometimes that anointing comes on, just feel like a cloak's coming down over you. Amen. That's exactly right. See, and I like that anointing to preach. Man, I preach. I was a preacher, and I loved it every single minute of it. I'd rather preach than to eat. And I preached for nine years. After I got to Baptist Holy Ghost, came among Pentecostals. Uh, all I did is preach. And we, I, all I had was an evangelistic man. I never preached on anything else. I didn't have anything else. But I remember one afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. Amen. In, in the living room. I, I'd, I'd been taking a nap, got up and walked across the living room into the kitchen, got me a drink of water. And I come back across the living room right in the middle of the room, suddenly something dropped on me. And it dropped down inside me. And I knew exactly what it was. It was a teaching gift. The anointing came to teach. Hallelujah. Now, before I always preach, I never taught. Just, just go, you know, like a windmill, swinging your arms, spitting cotton, you know. <laughs> and then people would say, slow down, slow down. We don't get half of what you say. <laughs> you know, I thought you wasn't anointing. You didn't go like that, you know? If I get anything from God, and I would encourage you, any revelation, any gift from God, anything, prove it out first. So I never said a word. We had a little group of ladies that met on Wednesday afternoon. Now, we had Wednesday night, you know, prayer meeting, midweek service. On Wednesday afternoon, there's seven or eight ladies, never over eight. They might have been nine there once. Usually my wife always went with them. Most of the time I missed twice, but I was there. And, and we'd pray, and we trained this little group to pray. They became expert prayers. I mean, you better not turn a prayer request into them if you didn't want it, because they'll get it for you. You better be sure that's what you want first. They learn how to pray. And, and so I just said to those seven or eight ladies with my wife there, you know, I said, uh, We've been praying every Wednesday afternoon a couple of hours or more, a minimum of two hours. 
Now, let's, let's have a Bible lesson first for an hour and then pray. Didn't invite anybody to come. Nobody, it wasn't an announced meeting. Now, people knew that these ladies came, pray that'll get out, you know. But I just started with those seven or eight teaching them. And I'd stand there and the anointing come on me. I didn't know you could get anointed that way to teach. See, I knew the anointing to preach, but that anointing would come on me and I'd never move off of the spot. Just stand in one spot. You talk about getting blessed. But you see, that anointing flowed out to them. And these ladies went home and told their husbands and told others, we never announced the service. Nobody was invited to come. People started to come in the middle of the afternoon on Wednesday. We went right on with our regular service, Wednesday night service. Their husbands would take off from work to get in on that afternoon service. It wasn't long until we was filled in the building up. We had a bigger crowd on Wednesday afternoon than you did Wednesday night. I proved I had the gift. It worked. <laughs> Never know, invited anybody to come. Never announced we was having the service. Just started out with the eight and just kept going. Never any kind of announcement, any kind of invitation or nothing. And the building filled up in the afternoon. That proved the gift, didn't it? The anointing flowed out to them. And the word of God flowed out to them. Praise God. Thank God for that anointing. Thank God for that anointing. So then in my churches as a pastor, I began to, to swing over and do more teaching and more teaching, probably about half and half, you see. Still preach because the anointing to preach is there. I very seldom ever get the anointing to preach anymore. Now, I like it. If it's me, I'd get it on me. <laughs> but I very seldom ever get the anointing to preach anymore. And I preached El Shaddai there, you know, of course, I had notes on that. I, that was a sermon I used to preach way back under years ago. But I was just sitting there, you know, I was actually speaking to a, oh, to a few years ago to full gospel businessmen. Second year that we had Bible school would be uh, 75, the fall of 1975. And, and I was speaking full gospel businessmen several chapters together. And then we started a crusade up in the Washington, D.C. area. And as I'm sitting there, now I've already gone, you know, before God bid me like give a testimony, I'm going to give my testimony of healing, see. And I'm sitting there while the fellow's singing the last song uh, before the turn is to me, and this anointing started coming on me. And I just got up and opened my mouth and took off. Praise God, hallelujah. That anointing to preach. Thank God for it, see. But then the anointing to teach. But then, then I, I, I like, I like the, the prophet's anointing. Now, I got to, I don't know a whole lot about the anointing of the pastor, though I pastored. You say, well, you pastored, you ought to know. Well, that wasn't my office. You see, I, after, after 10 years, well, it wasn't quite then. I did pastor about 12 years altogether. But after about 10 years of pastoral work, I, I just shut myself up in the church and prayed for days and fasted. Said, Lord, why am I dissatisfied? I mean, every reason in the world, church grown, we've got all the money, we don't need anything. I'm best parsonage ever lived in, we, we've got the best of everything we ever had. People getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed, you know, from a natural standpoint, every reason in the world, be satisfied. I'm not satisfied. You know, it's something like you wash your feet, you know, with your socks on. You know, something's not right somewhere or another, you know. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that right? You can tell something's not right. Yeah. And I kept seeking God. One day around the altar, he said to me, well, the reason is I never did call you in the wrong office. I never did call you to pastor to begin with. That's not your calling. That's not your office. Amen. You know, there's a lot of folks in the wrong office. And they'd flow better if they'd get in the right office. And the power of God would be made manifest upon them and through them. And the entire church of the Lord Jesus Christ would be enhanced. And many would have cause for rejoicing. 
Amen. That's what the Spirit's saying. Praise God. Move. And, and, and it's dangerous. It's really dangerous to, 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 to intrude into another office. In the Old Testament, if you did it, you just fell dead instantly. Now, under grace, you can get by a little longer. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. But sooner or later, sooner or later, you either judge yourself or you'll have to be judged so you won't be condemned with the world. Amen. Absolutely the truth. I remember when the Lord appeared to me, you see, in that first vision in 1950 in Rockwall, Texas, in the tent meeting. Jesus said to me, among other things, when you left your last church, and I left that last church, I preached my farewell sermon the first Sunday of February of 1949. When you left your last church, you at that time entered into the first phase of your ministry. Now you see, I had been preaching at that time in the ministry from 34 to 49, which is 15 years. 12 years of it had been pastoral work. The other had been you know, out on the field in field ministry. Or really, I called it evangelistic work and I'm not an evangelist either. That's not my calling. Are you listening to me? Yet that's the reason anointing won't come to preach very often. Now listen. He said, uh, you left your last church. You entered into your, the first phase of your ministry. Well, I argued with him about that. Somebody said one time to me, they rebuked me, said, the very idea of you saying you argued with the Lord. Why you know that didn't happen? Well, I said, Ananias argued with him. He, he said, I've heard about that fellow Saul. Now, you got, you got mixed up here somewhere. Now. I mean, he, he, he's persecuting the church. I've heard what evil he's done to the saints in Jerusalem. He's got letters in his possession to put in jail and then change them that are in that way or this way. And then you send go lay hands on him. I said, Lord, I, now that can't be so. I mean, you mean when I, I, I preached 15 years in the ministry and never even got in the first phase of the ministry that you had for me? He said, that's exactly right. When you left the last church and went out on the field in that ministry. Now, I'd gone out on the field back there in another ministry, but that wasn't this one. He said, you at that time entered into the first phase of the ministry that I had for you. And then he said something that we need to think about. He said, many ministers live and die and never even get into the first phase of the ministry that I have for them. Then he said this. Now, not always, but many times, that's the reason they die young or in middle life and don't live the full length of time. You see, if you're not in God's best, you can't claim God's best. If you're not in God's perfect will, you can't claim his perfect provision. Are you listening? We need to know that if it's so, and it is so. Then let's find their place. Now, a lot of times to begin with, God will just in a period of training let you serve anywhere nearly. But the time will come, and I think here's where we miss it. Instead of getting on our prayer bones and finding our place, we just go on thinking, well, I'm in the ministry. I'm working for God. But you can die working for God. Amen. What did he call me to do? What does he want me to do? Oh, I don't want to do something just because I want to do it. Amen. I want to obey God. What about you? 
praise God forevermore. Well, the anointing came to teach, so I began to teach. Now, I didn't have any anointing to stand in the office of the prophet. I didn't stand, never stand in that office. Oh, yeah, I prophesied, spoke with tongues and prophesied. But I never stood in the office of the prophet until 1952. Then I began to operate in that. It's a different anointing entirely. Same spirit, same spirit, same spirit, but it's a different anointing. There are different degrees of anointing. It's a different kind of anointing. It's a different feeling of anointing. Oh, I love it. Now you see, uh, here's where folks miss it. They said that to Jesus now. And that's what Jesus said, you're going to say to me, physician, heal thyself. The works we heard you did in Capernaum, they see you do them here. He said, Elijah, Elijah was a prophet. And in the days of Elijah, there were many widows in Israel. And he is sent to none of them, save unto Sarepta, city of Sidon. And there the working of miracles operated. But he couldn't just go into any widow's house and work a miracle. Bible said so, unless the Lord said so. Hallelujah. Sometimes you know you're, you're sitting there now. now. Now a lot of times the anointing to stand in that office, a lot of times, and actually music affects all of these. Thank God for the ministry of music. But it'll affect the anointing. Look here in the third chapter of Kings, and this has to do particularly with the prophet's ministry. And here we're at the third chapter of Kings. And here you see uh, the king of Israel said, this is the 10th verse, Alas, that the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? One of the king of Israel's servants answered said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And so, as we read on, Jehoshaphat got him to come and so on. Now the notice. Elisha said unto the king of Israel, 13th verse, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father, to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them in the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Now notice this. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord did what? Came upon him. Came upon him. The hand of the Lord is the Holy Ghost. Or you could read it like this. When the minstrel began to play, the anointing came upon him. Now music has a great part. We know that. In all of the offices. It has something to do with the anointing in any of the office. But it seems to me that it has more to do with the prophet's office than any of them. Because he's got to be so sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Now sometimes I may be sitting here, you know, I mean they're about to to service to me. Well, I'm going to operate in the office of teacher. See, Jesus operated in all five of these offices. Now some may operate in one of them or you may operate in different ones. But you don't operate in that office as you will. It is as he wills and as he anoints it. You see? And so, uh, for instance, in the 13th chapter of Acts, turn there real quickly. Now there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, such as, it begins with Barnabas and ends with Saul. These five men, including Barnabas and Saul, were either a prophet or a teacher or a prophet and a teacher. 
singling out Barnabas and Saul because the Holy Ghost did as they ministered to the Lord. Barnabas was a teacher. Saul, or Paul, was a prophet and a teacher. For a prophet is one who has visions and revelations, you see, and he received his entire gospel that way. He was called a seer in the Old Testament because he'd see and know things supernaturally. And then, you see, uh, so they stood in the, one of them stood in the office of a teacher. The other stood in the office of a prophet and a teacher. Now the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. They hadn't gotten into the work God called them to yet. Can you see that? Can you see that? And so then they fasted and prayed again and these other ministers laid hands on them and sent them out. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed and now they became apostles or missionaries to the Gentiles. And Barnabas was called an apostle as much as Paul was. Read the 14th chapter of Acts and the 14th verse. Now when the apostles, Barnabas and Saul, they wanted to worship them as gods. They moved into another office and a stronger anointing came because it takes a greater anointing to stand in that office. Well, now, a lot of times in the ministry in this office, I know something about it. I'd like to stand there more often, but I don't control it. That's what Jesus said about Elisha. He just couldn't go into, you know, in the days of Elisha the prophet, there were many, many lepers. Now, you see, I'm talking about ministering under the anointing. With the anointing. You see, you could teach anybody. I did that as Baptist, the Word of God, and get them healed. Even without the Baptist, no those. I taught them the Word of God. I, I, I learned the Word of God and was healed of almost total paralysis. I weighed 89 pounds when I was healed. You see? But then there's also a ministry under the anointing. We need both of them. We don't need one at the expense of the other. We need both of them flowing together. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. I love that. Oh, boy, if it was me, I guess I'd just anoint myself. But see, that's the reason God doesn't put that in our hands because foolish men, they'd mess it up. You know, man messes everything up he has anything to do with. God can start a movement. We saw that, and I don't mean to be wrong, you know, speak disparately, but we saw that in a lot of our Pentecostal movement. God started them out as a movement, and man got a hold of it, and, and they stopped moving. <laughs> Made a denomination out of it. You see it again and again. Amen. That's how Anything man gets a hold of, he'll mess up. And that's the reason God couldn't afford to put that down into our hands, you know, because we'd want to do it every service, and he may not want it done every service. But, you know, I, I, I love that when that anointing comes. Sometimes I'm sitting here, like I said, they're about to turn the service to me. Well, I know I'm a teacher. I know I'm called to that. I heard a voice speaking to him in heaven saying, audible to me, said, go teach my people faith. So I, if I don't get anything else, I know what to do. I've already got a commission. So I just go teaching. But then that anointing will come sometimes to stand in the office of the prophet. Now, sometimes it'll be so strong that it doesn't make a difference whether you have any music, anything, you can just get up and take off. Then there are other times you need a little, it's like Elisha did here, a little help. Sometimes I have them to sing or play and they sing the wrong song and it just kills it. Singers, dear friends, ought to pray. Don't get up and just sing to be singing. They need to be anointed with the Holy Ghost too. I believe they're standing in the office of helps and there is a ministry of helps mentioned right in the middle of that 28th verse of the 12th chapter. Amen, isn't that right? And they ought to pray, just like the preacher. They ought to get the anointing on them. So they ought to learn how to flow with the Spirit. 
man, just get up and kill the service for you. The Spirit of God just lift from you. Just go, you know. Oh, it didn't leave you inside. He's in there to witness, but that anointing to minister. Just like a bird sitting on your shoulder and flew away. Remember, I was preaching at a convention for the Foursquare folks in 1958, September 1958, in Newton, Kansas, South Central District. And, and, and so one night I felt this anointing come on me. And I said to him, I said, I said, the anointing of the prophet is coming upon me. Uh, a play, see, they, they, at the convention, while folks come in, different church, they had a musical instrument, they had an orchestra there, you see. I said, play something. The minister played, I read that verse. I said, then, I'll, then the Lord willing, I'll, I'll flow into that. And man, they cracked down on that song Miss, Miss McPherson wrote, Preach the Word. And the anointing came on me and I started prophesying and ministering about 8.30 and midnight and still going, glory to God. Woo, what a service. We, I don't know everything. I'll tell you, I got caught up in the glory. Half the time I couldn't see this like a cloud in there, just like a, just like a hazy cloud over the, over the whole room, you see. The glory of my Saturday. And if men will flow with the Spirit today, the glory of God will be in manifestation as it was in yesterday. Hallelujah. That's what the Spirit said. That's what the Spirit said. That's what the Spirit said. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's learn to flow with the Spirit. Let's learn to minister under the anointing. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that anointing. I remember, uh, and see, you don't control it. See, look here. He said here, uh, in the days of Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel. Not a one of them was healed. Now, other people were healed because that little maiden said, to, you know, she knew he had a healing ministry. But not, 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 not anybody of the lepers was healed over here in Israel. But Naaman, the fellow came from the outside and got healed. But see, he was standing in the office of the prophet. Now, see, you could preach healing and preach the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus redeemed us. Anytime, to anybody, anywhere, and if they believe it, get here. I'm talking about minister under the anointing. I was preaching down there in Oklahoma. In my, my home, you know, now my home state, I'm a native Texan. But I was preaching. They were some fellas that had challenged us. You know, I'll not say because, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody, fight anybody, just make mention of the fact. These ministers, they wrote articles in the paper against us, offered a $1,000 reward. Now, not a lot of money back there then. Uh, you know, if, to prove anybody got healed in these meetings. Challenge you on the radio, newspaper, write your letters. And we just ignored and went on serving God, you know. So one night I walked out on the platform. I'd stay back and pray. I walked out on the platform and I saw these five distinguished looking gentlemen sitting there. Spirit of God said to me, just as plainly as some man speaking to me, said, those men are so-called ministers of such and such a church. Now I want you to change the subject. I'd already had a subject I was going to preach on. I want you to preach like this. And so I, I tore out preaching. Preaching, I had the unction to preach, not teach, preach that night. It come on me, boy. I went, Pastor said, I thought you was going to quote the whole New Testament. I, I, one time I could quote three-fourths of it. And so, man, I just rattled it off, rattled it off. I rattled it off. Remember one time I was having a debate with the Church of Christ years ago out there in that country community I was telling you about. And, and so he'd quote one scripture and I'd quote two. And we battled one another with scripture, you know, for an hour and a half. And he ran out and finally grabbed a hold of me, shook my hand, patted him back, said, you're the first man outside the church of Christ I've seen that's saved. <laughs> boy, you can get to church of Christ say you're saved. You're saved, boy. Yes, he did right in front of everybody, just patted my back, you know, and, and said, you're the first man I've ever seen because I whipped him with the scripture, you see. So I tore out with the scripture, you see. 
And then as I came to the end of my sermon, uh, the word of God, the, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, do you ever notice that in the Old Testament to the prophet to say the word of the Lord came unto him saying? Now how do you suppose that came? It couldn't have been audible. If it had everybody heard it, he wouldn't have to tell them what the Lord was saying. They'd all known it. Came to his spirit. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, now there was a fellow lying there on a stretcher, you see, that, that rolled in there. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, now, and, and, and thank God, God will do that sometimes. That's where signs and wonders comes in. And, and God will do some things as signs. And he said, uh, uh, now demonstrate to these people and you say to them that I told you to stand here on the platform. Don't pray for that man on that stretcher. Don't speak to him. Or that is in prayer, or lay your hand on him. But stand here on the platform and speak to him and he'll rise up and walk right now in front of everybody. And if he doesn't, you're a false prophet. But if he does, then this, which he will, this is a sign unto you and unto them that my spirit is upon you. And sometimes I just humor to say, I did, he did, and God did. And he got up and walked off right there in front of all of them. And you know, those folks just kept coming to the service and got real friendly and said, you know what? We're finding a lot of things in the New Testament we never did know was in there. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You see, God wanted to help them because he loved them. Hallelujah to Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? I remember I was preaching in California for Brother Andrews. You, you, you remember Brother Andrews? The old Bellflower Tabernacle, you see. And, and so we stayed in their home with them. And we were going to close Sunday night. We were just, uh, my wife and I, resting. And we were awakened with someone weeping. And my wife said, are you awake, honey? And I said, yeah. She said, you hear that? I said, yeah. She said, well, somebody's weeping. Somebody must have died or something, you know. So I said, well, maybe some of the members lost a loved one and they come by for Brother Andrews to pray with them or something, you know. Because it's that kind of weeping. And as we listened, my, my wife said, I, I believe that's just Andrews weeping. Well, I said, maybe she got word some of her relatives died or something. And so my wife got up and put on a robe and went out. And then she came back and she said, uh, uh, honey, said, it's, it's, it's not that that. She said, uh, their granddaughter was visiting their other grandparents, one of their granddaughters, up in Portland, Oregon. They put her on a great 16-year-old girl on a Brayhound bus. When the bus got to Los Angeles, she wasn't on it. It just disappeared. And the Greyhound company run a, a check in 40 minutes that every bus coming to Los Angeles, she's on none of them. She just disappeared. And so she just knows because many girls just disappear, particularly in California then more than ever, and you never see them again. Over there at the fair in, in, in Oklahoma, in Texas, both, both Tulsa and Oklahoma City, uh, there were two girls on each one of them just disappeared and never seen them anymore. And she just knew that beautiful 16-year-old 16, beautiful 16 girl. Just never see her again. A, a, a student, see this is summertime, but a student at Southwestern, you know, Bible Institute, you know, or, or Assembly of God College walks a hatchet. They'll just never see her anymore. And, and so... Uh, uh, she wants us to pray. Well, we had a little word of prayer and then got ready to go to the service. And I'd go to Brother Andrew's office before I'd go into the service. And so I went back there and, and my wife was with me. And Sister Andrews was on the phone. When she hung up, she's talking to her daughter-in-law. When she hung up, she just burst into tears. Oh, you just, it, 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 it just, it's just heart-rending. And my wife tried to console and try, finally we got her quieting down enough. And she said, Greyhound Bus Company called my daughter-in-law and said, this bus came out of Portland into Reno, Nevada, and then from Reno down to, down to you see, and this is 56, down to uh, uh, Los Angeles. And we traced it to Reno, and she got, uh, she got off the bus in Reno, Nevada, and disappeared. <coughs> well, if you've ever been to Reno and Las Vegas, you know the devil's ruling supreme there. And she just had visions of never seeing that beautiful granddaughter again. And oh, how she wept. I said, Sister Andrews, don't cry. Don't do it. Don't do it. She's all right. 
And I remember she looked up through her tears and said, Brother Higgin, are, are you sure? I said, yeah, she's all right. She said, has the Lord spoken to you? No. She said, oh, and went back to crying. <laughs> I said, now wait a minute, Sister Andrews. And I used to have this more when I stayed with people because we used to stay in people's home, pastors and so on. I said, I go as much by what he don't say as I do what he does say. I've never stayed in anybody's home yet in all of these years. But what, before I'd go, many, I, if I had time, I'd tell you many experiences. Man, one time I'd stand one home, they had three daughters. One of them was married to a minister, assembly of God minister. And he'd grown discouraged and quit the ministry and was holding out a job. And the other, one of the others, uh, her husband had sued her for a divorce. And, and, and you couldn't, or she'd sued him. Actually, you couldn't blame her because he had just, he, he, he high temper, he beat the kids nearly to death. She just couldn't live in that. Beat her nearly to death. She just couldn't live under that. And the other was having problems. And the Lord, so in the nighttime, I was awakened. And the Lord said, now you get up. Because see, they got up and went to work. And the Lord said, you get up. You know, they told us, now just sleep, ladies, you don't because we're going to leave, go on somewhere else. We stayed with the family in a little five-day seminar that we preached. And said, you get up when they do and, and eat breakfast. And you tell them, you tell them, that the daughter's married to the preacher and four of the years out, he'll be back in the ministry pastor. You tell them the divorce will not go through and you'll tell them the trouble with the other will be straightened out and everything will be fine. And I did and they did and it did. <laughs> Praise God. I've never stayed in anybody's home yet. But what if there's something pending? If there was going to be a death in the family within the next two years, he'd tell me. Sometimes you can change it, sometimes you can't, just get you ready for it. You see, if some tragedy's going to happen, he'd tell me. I said, I've got a working agreement with him. He didn't tell me anything. Hallelujah. <laughs> the devil, the devil is a liar. He's fought you. Oh, how he's fought you. What trouble he's wrought, even in your home, to try to rob you of the ministry that God has for you. You've never entered into it yet. You've never entered into it yet. But the days of preparation are just about over. The anointing of God will come up. Ooh! Thank you, Jesus. 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 I want to, in a few moments, get ready for it. This is a different kind of meeting. We need different kinds of meetings. I want to, you get ready for it. I want to lay hands on young ministers. Praise God, I mean that's that's in the ministry. I don't mean he's wanting to get into it. You're, you're out there full time in just a few minutes here. God wants me to. I didn't just think that up. 
So I said to Sister Andrews, the Lord would have told me. I tell you, the Spirit of God comes on me sometimes when the rest of my time, I can't say anything in English. Can't say a word. I can think in English, but I can't talk. Just absolutely flat can't. I've been that way sometime, hour and a half time. You see? Well, now the reason he arrested me, he wants to be here. I didn't know what he wanted. I had to wait and see and find out what he wanted. See? That's what he wanted. So just went ahead and did it. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, and so I said to Sister Andrews, I go as much by what he doesn't say as what he did. He didn't say anything, so I know everything's all right. She just got on the wrong bus, that's all. Are you sure? Did the Lord speak to you? Well, no, but, well, and went back to crying. Now, when she went back to crying, I'm sitting there in that chair. I mean, within three feet of her, with my eyes wide open. With my eyes wide open. And suddenly I saw, I, I saw myself standing in front of the bus station in Reno, Nevada. Now, I've never been there, haven't been there yet, but I know exactly what it looked like, I saw it. I saw myself standing, I was standing behind this bus. There's a bus there. I saw this bus pull up. It said Los Angeles on the front of it. I saw these people get off, including this blonde-headed girl. I saw them come back, and she got on the bus in front of it. And I said, Sister Andrews, Sister Andrews, Sister Andrews, she got on the wrong bus. She looked up again. She said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I saw her. She is called a seer. It's seeing no thing. Mm -hmm. Amen. I, I've just been preaching away sometimes. Just preaching away the pulpit. And suddenly the anointing come on me. It's on me to preach already, but the anointing come on to stand in the office of the prophet. See, you don't control it. He does. And suddenly the anointing come on me and, and I'd be standing on the street corner miles away. I could hear the sound of my voice. It went on preaching. Don't know this day one single word it said because I stand on the street corner. Saw people of the congregation as they walking down the street. Saw a lady of the congregation walking down the street. Saw a man pull up to the curb, sound his heart. She got in the car. They drove out in the country, and I'm sitting in the back seat. They went out there and committed adultery, and there she is sitting out there in the service. God didn't show me that to. He didn't show me that to reveal it there in front of everybody. In fact, I never said a word to anybody. He showed me that to help her, to restore her, get her back with God. Are you listening to me? I was preaching down in Alabama. Suddenly the anointing came on me, and I saw this woman having a fight with another woman. I looked down the street and I saw this, they, oh, this about a block away and I saw across the top of the church said, Assembly of God. And these two women are fighting. Nearly two of one another's clothes off. One of them finally got loose from the other and ran. And this other one went down there to this little house sitting there, white frame house sitting beside this church. And, and stood, you know, and I could see, I was standing out in the yard with her, you know, and I could see, the, you know, just the outline of some man standing in the door there and he hooked the screen when she stepped. And she stood there and cursed him. Because he wouldn't say she is right in whipping that woman. And he got the door shut. Or he, you know, she threatened to come through the screen and whip him. And he's already ready to shut the door. Finally she left, you see. And there she stood in the line to get baptized. I said, sister, you're not going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Until you get things straightened up. And talk to her then. Well, this pastor didn't understand this. Simply got back to the move of the Spirit. See, see a, lot of, a lot of churches believe in gifts of the Spirit on paper, yeah. <laughs> but not in action. Amen. Amen. And he is about to pull, you know, his folks out of this. It's, it's a joint meeting, five Assembly of God churches, three churches of God, one independent Pentecostal church. He's going to pull his church out. And when I dealt with that woman, then he came with the pastor and said, what do you know about that? I told him what I saw. Bless God, he said, we're not pulling out. That's me standing in that door. That woman's about to whip me. Mm. <laughs> mm. See, 
Well, I told Sister Andrews, I said, she got on the wrong bus. She looked at me. If I never get any other reward than to see her smile through her tears. Brother, that's the biggest reward you can get. She smiled. I said, Sister Andrews, she said, are you sure, Brother Hagin? Are you sure? I said, I'd stake my life on it. I'd let him cut my head off before it say he didn't sow. I'd stake 25 years of ministry on it. Sure enough, time service is over. The Greyhound Bus Company called her and said, we located her over in Salt Lake City. Got on the wrong bus and went over there. She'll be back in here at 4 o'clock in the morning. Thank God the Spirit of God knows. I said, the Spirit of God knows. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, the anointing, the anointing is going to come stronger in these days. I'm going, to, I'm going to prophesy, not with the prophet's ministry, but with the gift of prophecy now. The anointing is going to come stronger in these days. And as the devil moves in power, and all kinds of witchcraft, and occult, and false religions, even invade our own country. So the power of God is coming stronger and stronger. And the anointing of God will come upon men, young men, as well as older ones. But particularly is God going to deal with young men and young people in this days. For in the last days I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your young men shall see visions. Upon my sons and upon my daughters, handmaidens in those days I'll pour out of my spirit. And many will stand in this office of the prophet. It is a necessary office. We've seen men stand in the office of teacher and what a blessing they've been. We've seen men stand in the office of evangelist and what a blessing they've been. We've seen mighty few stand in the office of the prophet. But more will stand in that office and the body of Christ shall be blessed and enhanced and the work of God shall go forward and great things shall happen in these days. Oh yes, yes. Some even in knowledgeable circles will shake their head and say, oh, 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 that's just fanaticism. That's just fanaticism. But be this known unto you, saith the Lord of hosts, that in this day and in this time it shall come to pass that those that oppose the work of God and those that are deceitful and lying will many of them fall dead right in the church like Ananias and Sapphira did and judgment will come. For in the For you see, the time of the end of all things is at hand, and the end of the age is at hand. And know the church, the church in the end time, in the last days, will not be left weak and emaciated and run away and hide. But all oh, she shall rise up in power and in glory with the name of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. Hallelujah! And shall go forward to do exploits. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.